I think every morning that I woke up, this, the news story changed. So what I started to experience was different news every morning. And I thought, okay, hang on, this is spiraling a little bit out of control. And I've got my work cut out for me for the next month or so. See, that's, that's the whole point about the coronavirus spreading. So as long it is eating only the supply centers, uh, at least the demand was balancing it. But now as it's spreading to Europe and spreading to other countries where major demand is coming from, this will have an impact on the production itself. COVID-19, short for coronavirus 2019, is a world health crisis with no end in sight. It has taken its toll in lives and sickness, and we all know that it has had huge impacts on global supply chains. Welcome to Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. I'm Bob Rossback, and for this edition of our program, we've invited two people with very close experience to this COVID-19 economic tsunami. Lucy Shami is Chief Procurement Officer at Vitex Pharmaceuticals. It's a contract manufacturer of vitamins and other nutritional supplements located near Sydney, Australia. As CPO, Lucy coordinates closely with multidisciplinary teams to develop a leading pharmaceutical manufacturing supply chain. Welcome, Lucy. Hi, Bob. Thank you for having me. Sasha Kopal Kanan is a supply chain consultant for the global research firm Barrow Incorporated. He specializes in energy sourcing, green procurement, supply chain risk, and sustainability. Working from Bangalore, India, Sasha Gopal leads Barrow's crisis management team that is analyzing the impact of COVID-19 on the global economy. Welcome, Sesh. Hello, Bob. Thank you for the invite today. And of course, joining me is sourcing guy himself, Bill Michaels, VP Operations for SIPS Americas. Welcome, Bill. Hey, thanks, Bob. Good to be oh, here. Excellent. So, Lucy, let's start with you. Uh, you're in the thick of things. What does Vitex produce and sell first? Just give us the, the quick background. And, and then what is your exposure? Uh, what is your supply exposure in China? Absolutely. In the thick of things at the moment, Bob, Vitex Pharmaceuticals is a leading contract manufacturer of vitamins, minerals, and nutritional supplements, um, as you pointed out earlier. So we are a global strategic partner for key household brands that you may see in your pharmacies or health food stores. And we are in the business of developing ongoing supply of high quality medicines. Our exposure to China goes two ways. There is a supply to and a supply out of China for certain things in our supply chain. So the supply from China is basically all of our raw materials. Our raw materials are heavily sourced out of China. We manufacture probably about 95% of our medicines out of Chinese-made raw materials. Now, that could be harvested crop, vitamins, minerals, uh, biologicals, capsules, anything that can sort of be manufactured on a large mass scale. From the products going to China, we have about the demand started much earlier where China was only 20% of our market three years ago. China is now well and truly over 70% of our demand. So you can see a significant jump 
in production that we are generating for the Chinese consumer. At this point, we are 100% focused on trying to satisfy that demand, but there have been some limitations pre and current coronavirus situation. Sure. So how did you hear about COVID-19? Were there news reports or did something happen directly within your company or your supply chain that alerted you to the trouble before it was even hitting the news? The supply chain is 100% my go-to for all my news in real time and if not before real time because I have such a strong, significant hold and relationship with my vendors internationally that they are feeding me information even when they were on holidays. So as we know, the coronavirus situation started around the time of the Chinese New Year. And we had businesses away celebrating with friends and family. And from that, we experienced, you know, a a delay, a disruption in our supply chain. It happens to us every year, you know, in procurement. When China shuts down, we feel like the world shut down a bit for Chinese New Year. In coming back on the back back of that, I was receiving WeChat messages and and text messages and emails from uh, my vendors saying, There's been a a medical, they would call it a medical outbreak in that there is, um, our factory is not going to turn on on the the Tuesday that we were expected to go back to work and that we were going to be experiencing some delays in our receivables, in our um, materials. So I, you know, just sort of thought, okay, well, what's going on? There's going to be something, you know, I, I first put it down to just the one company. Is it just that one company that was, you know, have experiencing a medical outbreak? Is there something in that area that was happening? And we did, I think, initially isolate it just to Wuhan. And a lot of people just said, you know, it's just in Wuhan. So if you've got any um, operations or works there, just look into that. At the time, Vitex wasn't directly affected. It would have probably been affected in about 3% of its supply chain. So it didn't impact us too much. But I think every morning that I woke up, the news story changed. So what I started to experience was different different views, different opinions, different um, different news every morning. And I thought, okay, hang on, this is spiraling a little bit out of control and I've got my work cut out for me for the next month or so. And I guess the way that I responded initially was um, I, I'm the type of person that I'm quite emotional and passionate, I like to think, in a good way, uh, in the sense that I like to view things, you know, always with optimism. But on the reverse, when I view things like this, it also can get quite complexing, especially when I'm trying to make sure that things are coming in on time so we can stock shelves and have things manufactured in full and on time. So what did I do? What, how did I address this? And, and you know, uh, usually, you know, in, in, a, in a time of crisis, we see things slow down. Unfortunately, vitamin industry has never been at an all-time high. People can't get enough of vitamin C, calcium, fish oil, those commodities that are just ongoing nonstop in in our day-to-day life. So what I started to experience was really high demand and really struggling supply chain. At that point in time, uh, had to you know start to work on our contingencies immediately. Step one was who is affected in this building? Because we as we have close to 185 full-time permanent staff at Vitex. And 
Who was in China celebrating Chinese New Year? Who was in um, Wuhan specifically? But then it got to, hang on a minute, not just China. Let's start looking at Hong Kong. Let's start looking at Malaysia. Let's start looking at Vietnam. Who who was going to be affected by this? And would we then have an internal Vitex coronavirus problem? So the HR team had their work cut out for them. They were busy checking people's passports, checking stamp travel documentation to confirm people's whereabouts at that time. Oh what gosh. we found, we were, we, were, we were finding that we had significant people that were traveling at that time. And to be honest, with regards to how we you know, manage our staff and, and we're, we're much of a family. I'm one of the um, members of the Shami family, my father being the chairman, my brother being the CEO. And I, I view all my staff like my siblings most of the time. And I feel like, oh my gosh, someone's affected. We've got to help them out. So we were just making sure that anyone affected by the virus was taken care of. That was step one. Number two, we had to maintain a a level of calmness, but in procurement, often that doesn't happen. A level of calmness in the sense that we can't change the current situation, but we can change the way we manage this situation and we have to take our thoughts offline. Vitex is very much an auto-operated business. You can't physically, as a, as a CPO or the members of my team, you can't physically manage in your brain 6,000 different items or SKUs. I mean, it's just not possible. So we are heavily reliant on our ERP system to give us insight into our demand and how we work towards achieving our demand. However, in times of crisis, you can't actually tell your ERP system that there is coronavirus, how do we plan for this? So what we had to do was take things offline. We had to pick up the phone. We manufacture for the, la the largest brands in the world. You have to pick up the phone and talk to their procurement teams. Okay, this is the situation. What's the priority? What do you need? This is what I can get you. This is what I can't get you. That open communication is so critical. We experienced countless meetings, video conference calls, and, you know, just time spent with customers to identify what the need was. So we had to run through outage scenarios. If you ran out of coenzyme Q10, would you, like, what would happen to your stock levels? What, you know, what would be the backlash to that? So looking to re-engineer the focus, we're sort of putting the, the, the planning system to one side and what would usually run in day-to-day -day normal business in an ideal situation what now is the short-term goal to keep us afloat, to keep us going, and to make sure we achieve these economies of scale as best we can for our customers. We also started looking at creating different emergency plans that looked at really upping the buffer stock situation. So if we had, um, you know, for example, 10 tonne of a certain ingredient on order, I'd basically double it and say, okay, I'm going to secure double that demand. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to push it out until June onwards and just sort of see what happens to that demand. Of course, there are risks associated with just bulking up on stock. You're, you're basically going to be paying the worst price. And we're now heavily exposed to um, FS, FX risk because we've got real fluctuating dollars at the moment, especially with the American dollar against the Australian dollar. And if we keep driving down prices, I'm paying double. 
This is Bill, and I've got a question for you. So does this force you to go look at, you know, where are you single source, have only one plant, one supplier in one location, and are you trying to drive uh, alternative supplies from anywhere else in the world? Absolutely, Bill. Great question. My rule is the three, I have a three-way rule, and my three-way rule is I have any single active ingredient, I have three sources for them. But most of the time, all three sources come out of the same province out of China. It can just it can just be a simple matter of that. Or it could just be three sources out of China and three over three different provinces. Or I could have one in Europe that's three times the price or two in China that's, you know, similar pricing. So there's all these different factors at play. But 100%, we always mitigate risk through dual or, or triple supply. Dual supply is very common in Australia because Australia doesn't have a market for manufacturing of raw materials. The US does, China does, Europe does, Australia doesn't. I'm heavily reliant on the rest of the world to get me stock. So that's one of my biggest fears. My second biggest fear is that my middleman, my, my small to medium boys and girls shut down tomorrow. What do I do then if, if factories close down? I'm in a situation where I'm reliant on these suppliers. How am I able to keep these people, you know, afloat and keep things going in terms of what we want to do with them moving forward. Can these people survive? Can these businesses survive the downturn? That's one of my biggest concerns. And you're putting a big cash constraint on the business too, because you're increasing inventories and you're paying more money for things. So you probably have to work really closely with finance to be able to manage the cash position of the company. Yes. So the CFO and I live next door to each other <laughs> in the sense that his office is just next door to mine. And uh, it's it's a constant struggle of, okay, I need extra budget for this month because what's going to happen this month is probably going to save us for the next month, but I need to pull stock forward because if I don't, I'm not going to get it. So oh. r- right now it's a, it's a fight for allocation of stock. It's, you know, uh, Yes, I did. Yesterday, I had a conversation with a vendor that was going to sell me one ton of material, but I didn't place my purchase order, let's say, in time, and that stock was allocated elsewhere. So it's a fight for stock. It's who can get what immediately. Uh, Do you see any kind of stabilization coming from your point of view? What the issue is going to be moving forward is what is the backlash of this to our business? If everything does subside and it does stabilize, do vitamins just get pushed to the back and, you know, we experience a downturn, another downturn that's just a, de- a, a that's basically lower demand or do we have issues where it comes down to, you, okay, um, your supply chain is fixed, China's back on board, you're able to receive, but you don't have, but you don't have demand to back it up or here's all this excess supply Demand does, you know, keep going and it does pick up, but then it's just a matter of have we lost in that time business because we weren't able to manage this as effectively as maybe our competitors. So that's, I I feel like, yes, there is going to be a stability period and that things will subside, but the back of that is quite scary to think of those two options as to how we're going to manage it moving forward. Oh my gosh. 
Well, I'm going to turn to Sesh right now. Uh, you've been listening uh, very patiently here, and uh, Barrow has been talking to dozens of companies with supply chains in China. So yep. what, what you have heard from Lucy, is that similar to what you know about other organizations and other sectors? Yeah, uh, of course, uh, Bob. Uh, so we, we have heard similar, uh, uh, I mean, uh, challenging situations from many of our clients. Uh, but as uh, Lucy said, uh, most of them uh, were uh, trying to get into the emergency response mode and uh, uh, they were looking into their contingency plans and uh, they're trying to uh, stock up the inventories, increasing the inventory levels for all the critical supplies that come from China. We are seeing the companies are managing to get a hold of uh, the materials till now. The Chinese New Year uh, really worked in, uh, in favor uh, uh, of the supply chain uh, managers um, because that is, a, that is a plan that's an annual event. Uh, and so there is some accommodation for that going in. But then when, when things kind of expanded beyond the, that holiday, uh, were people caught off guard? And in what industries or sectors were most affected? Yeah. Uh, see, as of now, the badly affected uh, industries are the travel, as everyone knows. So the demand for air travel is badly affected globally. And next to them are the uh, automobile industry, as you know. So China is the major auto component supplier. And many ancillary companies have been disrupted uh, due to the factory closures. And not only that, the demand uh, reduction is coupled with supply shortages, right? So China is also a big market for uh, cars, so on, on a demand standpoint. And this will definitely have a significant impact on the global sales volume. So across US, China, and Europe, the sales projections are lowered now in the auto industry. And, and uh, next to that, if you can uh, uh, see the tech industry, right? So you, you, all the giants like Apple, Microsoft, and HP have started disclosing that the supply chain disruptions is creating impact on their revenue. So in the coming weeks, we can uh, definitely see more news coming from other tech companies and uh, lead times are expected to increase and prices may also increase for IT hardware. And then procurement managers will, will face this price increase in the coming weeks. This is what we, we estimate because more than 80% of all the IT hardware and electronic equipments come from uh, China. It's not only about the uh, uh, inventories, uh, increase uh, uh, during the Lunar New Year and all, but, but still what uh, uh, the, the procurement community around the world feels is that China has really done a, a good job in uh, containing the virus fast and uh, resuming their uh, productions. So the, the aggressive measures that the Chinese government have taken, uh, especially to keep the production up, has uh, reduced a little bit of anxiousness if demand is down, is that, uh, is that helping um, some of the supplier shortages or su uh, shortages of components in tech and auto and some of these other industries where China is not only a big source, but it's also a big consumer of these products? See, that's, that's the whole point about the coronavirus spreading. So as long it is eating only the supply centers, uh, at least the demand was balancing it. 
but now as it's spreading to Europe and spreading to other countries where major demand is coming from, the shock is on both sides of your entire value chain, right? So from the consumer and also from the supply side. So this will have an impact on the production itself. The question I have is, you know, is this a failure of the risk management process that we have? And one of the things that happens after we have one of these catastrophes is everybody gets focused on risk management until the next disaster. So what do you think about that? The cost of risk should be seriously accounted from now on because the fundamental assumption of free trade flow across the globe is, is, is in question now. So we cannot assume that uh, global manufacturing is a easy supply chain solution. So all the other aspects like sustainability as well as risk has to be seriously considered while uh, the companies uh, are going to redesign the supply chain. And see, when compared to other uh, disasters like tsunamis, I mean, the hurricanes or earthquake, uh, people have learned a lot from there. And even if it's a hurricane, it's going to last for, in the worst case, it will last uh, for, say, two to three weeks, right? So the impact and all can be recommended. But pandemic is completely different. So even people who have built pandemic protection process in their business continuity, but I don't think they are more reviewed or updated and kept actionable to handle such situations. So I think the only solution to handle such kind of events in future uh, is to optimize it, accounting all the aspects. So it, it, it's not like, uh, like say, easy designing based on cost. So it should not be the only aspect uh, people should be looking. So Lucy, uh, although we are still deeply involved in the crisis, uh, are there some clear lessons learned or steps that others might take to prepare themselves for this scale of a supply chain disruption? What have you learned? At this point in time, we are so reliant on China because our vendors are reliant on China because they know that they get things done at a certain time in, 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 in an efficient way. So just sort of moving toward, away from that, I think, is critical. And, you know, we're, we're, we've experienced a lot of delays and, um, you know, freight issues and things like that. But the fact of the matter is I can still get product out of China quicker right now in coronavirus than I can out of Europe. So I think that says something about the way that other countries and companies operate and their significance on China. We need to spread the love. We need to spread the risk. It sounds like uh, China really has uh, has got us in in many ways uh, because, uh, as you say, even in a time of crisis, they're still delivering better than some other places. That's really that's that's a hard habit to break. Absolutely. And so I think to myself, even at the time of coronavirus, of, of, of a crisis situation, would I place that order with Europe? Uh, probably not, because China now has a sense of urgency. Europe doesn't. The sense of urgency lives with China right now because they know they need to get out of whatever they're in. They are moving at a pace where they are trying to supply the Chinese mentality, the Chinese business person is hospitable, is the person that will bend over backwards to get an order done. Whereas I find that the sense of urgency in other countries doesn't exist the way it does with them. Wow. Sesh, uh, would you agree with that kind of assessment even now? Or do you have other lessons that we think we might learn? 
Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, Lucy on that uh, point. China is still the dominant origin, and then it will be in the future also. But I mean, in future, if if this is going to happen or recur again, then it will have a. I mean, it will badly test the supply chain stability and durability for any company. And I think there should be sustainable aspect that should be built uh, before you you design the supply chain again. Excellent. And at least the optimization should be the first step. Make sure your critical suppliers and the raw material suppliers of your critical suppliers are out of danger and you've built at least these part of your value chain in a sustainable fashion rather than looking only the cost. Excellent. Bill, any final thoughts? Sure. I think things are going to change. I think that people are going to, um, just in time, is going to move to having safety stocks. I think also um, that... Um, companies are going to rethink having one location globally to ship to and they're going to have smaller footprints closer to the markets they serve uh, and do duplicate product uh, manufacturing. Uh, I think that, that that's how people are going to rethink the supply chain. Excellent. Well, it is clear that we will have to come back to this uh, nightmare situation uh, as it plays out. In the meantime, thank you very much, Lucy Shami from Vitex Pharmaceuticals. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Bob. I've much appreciate the chat this afternoon, and I look forward to uh, what happens in the next few weeks. Yep. And Sasha Gopal Kanan from Barrow Incorporated. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Bill. And Bill Michaels, you can say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> this has been Global Sourcing Insights from SIPS. I'm Bob Rossback. Join us again whenever you can. We're only a mouse click away. Good day. 